Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, we pray for open hearts and minds to receive, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one of us, draw us closer to yourself, help us to be more like Christ, and help us to live into our resurrection life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you to please be seated. In early February of 2020, a sheriff's officer clocked a 2020 gray Kia sedan doing 95 miles per hour on Interstate 10 through Florida's Panhandle. The two men in their mid-30s were driving back to Orlando. The vehicle was headed east toward the metropolitan areas of Orlando and Miami, The corridor is a major feeder for drug trafficking into the Sunshine State, so officers are constantly on the lookout. Federal law permits officers to stop those who are breaking the law, issuing arrests and tickets accordingly, but the Fourth Amendment prohibits the search of vehicles without probable cause or reasonable suspicion. When the officers pulled the vehicle over, Right in plain sight, they noticed two bags. Each Ziploc container was labeled, bag full of drugs. (laughs) And they arrested the men. It is an interesting thing, that Fourth Amendment. You can be pulled over, but there has to be reasonable cause. And in our country, we have had a lot of issues where people have been stereotyped. Perhaps people have been pulled over or arrested or all kinds of things because we assume something about them. Now, if you have two bags in your car and they are labeled bag full of drugs, you don't have to make much of an assumption. But we're good at making assumptions. We're good at reading things based on our own experiences and background. We're good at judging people based on our own experiences and background. And yet, when those things happen, there is the possibility of missing something really significant. And that's what happens at the beginning of the book of Acts. Open your Bible, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. You'll find Bibles in the pews if you don't have one with you. Acts chapter 1, page 1549. Acts chapter 1, page 1549. We're going to spend the next two weeks going through Acts chapter 1, which will lead us to Pentecost on June 5th of Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 1, page 1549. Verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And let me stop for a moment. If you were to go back and look at Luke, you would see that he starts his gospel by addressing a man named Theophilus. 
And Luke says, I'm writing an orderly account for you, Theophilus. I want you to know what happened. Luke in church history is known as a historian because his gospel is presented as something where he went and he looked things up and he researched it and he talked to people and he he got all the history and he's trying to set it up so this man, Theophilus, will have an orderly, accurate account of what happened. Part two of Luke's gospel is Acts. He also wrote this book. And so he's continuing to say to Theophilus, here's what I've already done, and that's what we're going to get here. Verse 2, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, what we just read, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So here's the general summary. He says, Theophilus, I've already taught you all the things that Jesus was doing and saying during his ministry. But he also, after he was killed and rose again, he spent 40 days presenting himself. He showed himself to various people. He wanted them to see he was truly alive. We've read some of those accounts. We even read where he ate fish. So he was showing people. And while he was doing that, he was speaking about the kingdom of God. A very important topic to Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, you will see him bring this up over and over again. Talking about the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing between when he rises and 40 days later when he will finally ascend into heaven and send the Holy Spirit. During that period of time, he's showing himself and speaking about the kingdom of God. Keep going. On one occasion, verse 4, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. So Luke pulls out one account. He says, during these 40 days, there was one point where he was eating with them, and this happened. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we've also seen this. He's telling his disciples, I want you to be my witnesses. That's going to be your job. I'm commissioning you. But before that happens, you need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Last week, the message was your faith does not have to be perfect, but it has to be empowered. That's the empowerment. Now, with all of that background, this is where Luke now picks up. We are right before Jesus will finally ascend. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, before I make this point, I'd love everyone to look up. Not directly up. That's what my son would do. Tell him to look up and he does that. Look up at me. 
I really want you to hear this. This message this morning is for you. It's not for the person that you may end up thinking about while you're hearing the message. Or the person next to you, or the friend, or the spouse, or the child, or this message is for you. And I really want to encourage you to hear this for yourself. Here's the first point. The disciples listened without hearing. They listened to what Jesus taught. They listened to what he wanted, but they weren't really hearing him. So here's their question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here's why they're asking that question. There's two reasons, and they are very legitimate. Number one, what is a topic that Jesus has been talking about throughout his ministry And what is the topic he's been talking about for the last 40 days before this point? The kingdom of God. So it's very reasonable for them to want to ask something about the kingdom. Here's the second thing. They have been taught all their lives. And generations before them have been taught all their lives. That God is going to vindicate Israel. They are going to be released from captivity. They are going to be the place where God is going to rule and reign from. All the nations will stream to them. They have been waiting for this for generations. And here comes the Messiah who is talking about the kingdom. And so it is really natural for them to go, Lord, is this it? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? but they do not hear what Jesus is really doing because they are listening through all of their own experience and all of their background and all of their wants and their desires and they're probably moving a little quickly through life and things are just hitting them. And and so when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, they are hearing what they want to hear. They are hearing what they would most naturally hear, Israel. And Jesus is very concerned with Israel, but it is not the kingdom of Israel that Jesus most cares about. It's the kingdom of God. It's not the nation of Israel. It's the world. God is not just going to vindicate Israel. He's going to vindicate all the righteous, He's not just going to restore Israel. He's going to restore all of creation in a new heavens and a new earth. Jesus has this very big vision. And these guys are very narrow in their vision. Now, we should not judge them or think them dumb or selfish or anything like that. They are simply living into what they know. But we should learn from them. Here's my first very personal question for you to ask yourself. Do you ever misunderstand somebody because you define a word differently? You had a different experience because you've got some past back here that is influencing how you're understanding what this person is saying. Does that ever happen to you? Do you think it ever happens to you 
when you think about what God is calling you to. So here's the thing. They really think God is fully on their side. And he is, just not fully with their plan. If God ever buys in to everything you think, believe, want, desire, plan, you're probably not listening to what God really wants. Because God is always driving us toward the cross, toward repentance, toward new life, toward sharing him and his kingdom. But we have all kinds of things we want in life, right? And it is really easy to do things like this. I know God wants me to work on my anger, but, and I'll just leave it at that because you fill in your own blank. (laughs) I know God wants this, but, and some of that is we don't dig deep enough in to really see what it is he wants. We're just doing it off of how we think already, our preconceived ideas. It reminds me of a game that my kids and I play sometimes. And it especially happens around Christmas because we're singing lots of Christmas songs. And we'll start this game where somebody will begin to tap out a song. They don't sing it, they just tap it. And we're all trying to guess what that song is. And we get it wrong all the time. And the person tapping is going, I cannot believe you can't get this. It's jingle bells. This is so easy. But you're not hearing any of the tone, melody, anything. That tapping, it could be anything. I was mowing the lawn last weekend, and I'm out there mowing, and all of a sudden, I start hearing a drum beat. Just a drum beat. Have you ever pulled up next to a car that was just booming and all you can hear is boom, 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 boom. Well, I'm hearing something like that. And I look across the street and my neighbor has pulled out a big speaker. They're out doing yard work too because it was a great day to do yard work. And they're blasting something. But as I'm mowing the lawn, all I can hear is the beat. I have no idea what it is. But my brain starts to fill in the blanks. And I start trying to figure out what this song is. And I could figure out a number of songs that it might be. I was wrong in every case. I turned my mower off, and it was the Backstreet Boys playing one of the most famous pop songs for band boys of the 90s and 2000s. And like, then it got stuck in my head, too. It was really annoying. And then we were talking of sharing it with my wife, and it was in her head, too. It was great. But once I turn the noise off, I could hear what was actually being played. The noise in our lives, it can be the speed with which we do things. It can be all of the background and ways that influence how we see stuff. It can be that our vision at times is too small for what God is trying to do. But we need to slow down. Ask questions. Don't make assumptions. God has things he wants for us. We need to listen 
but we also need to hear. Now, they do eventually hear. The problem is, when they finally hear, they don't act. Look back at your text. Verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So this is the brief picture that you get. A group of men who heard what they wanted to hear, and so Jesus patiently corrects them and reorients them. You don't need to know the times, and you need to wait for the Spirit, as I've told you to, so you can be my witnesses. But as he goes up into the clouds, the image is, these disciples are going, huh. They don't even notice that angels show up around them. The angels show up and they go, men of Galilee, why are you just standing here? That is the, with the, the force of the question. Why are you just standing here looking up there? There are things to do. You have a mission. You know what he's called you to. You know that the Spirit is coming. You need to just move. And you need to know this. And don't forget it. The same Jesus who went up is going to come back in the same way. He's not done. You not only have a mission, but you have a Lord who's going to return. He hasn't just left you. He's coming back. What will your life be between now and when he returns? How will you respond to his calling to your life? Will you hear but not act? Or hear and respond? On cue, two parents just got up to go respond to the cries of their children. It is so easy to know what to do and not do it. Let me ask you if you've ever done this. Have you ever shared a good point with somebody about a sermon but didn't really do anything about it in your life? Have you ever found yourself going, that's a really good point, but it didn't really change? You're not dealing with your anger or your lust or your lack of forgiveness or your loving of neighbor. You're not dealing with that really any differently than you were before. You know it, but you're not putting it into action. I read this very cute story. Jill Johnson lives in Tennessee, and last week she woke up because her husband, Jimmy, jerked in bed. And he jerked enough that it was like he was flopping toward her. And it startled her awake. Sunlight had begun to kind of glow on the curtains. And what she didn't know until that moment, an intruder had come into their home the night before. 
Thankfully, the intruder was a brown bull terrier that weighed about 20 pounds. And the bull terrier had crawled into bed with Jill and Jimmy. And the husband woke up to a dog that was not his <laughs> right next to his face, and he jerked. And his wife said the question he had for her is, Jill, whose dog is this? <laughs> and here's the crazy part about the story. They have three other dogs that did not alert them to this dog coming into their house in the middle of the night. I can tell you if somebody parks in front of my house, my dog alerts me that they are there. I can't imagine someone going into my house. And so the lady took a picture with the dog and put it on Facebook. And that day, the family that owned the dog replied. They went and found their dog. The families have become friends. The dogs have become friends. And this is what the Facebook owner put. Our overly friendly pup, Nala, has hit an all-time record for ignoring personal space and added yet another trick to her long list of Houdini acts. Here's the thing that struck me about it. This is not the first time that the dog has gotten away or the second or the third. The dog has run away numerous times. They know. He even calls it the Houdini acts of Nala. But they don't seem to be doing anything to change it. How much is that like us? We know what should be, but we're not really taking the actions to make the changes. At the beginning, I said, make sure you take this message for you, not for somebody else, because, oh man, are we good at knowing how other people need to change? I mean, we are experts at that. But what about us? Um, look behind you at the white candle in the back. That's the Paschal candle. That candle is supposed to be up here by the altar beginning on Easter Day and all the way through the Easter season. Today is the first day that I noticed it was sitting back there. I know it is supposed to be back there. But I mean, we only have like two weeks left, right? We haven't had it up here the whole time. What's the point now? The point is, we know it's supposed to be up here. So, make the change that you need to make in your life. Even if it's only two weeks left. Even if you look like a moron because you're the priest and you really should have known this candle was supposed to be up here. It's only up here for like seven weeks. And the priest really messed that up. But it's supposed to be up here. The disciples finally hear, but they're not acting. They're just standing there. When we know what God has called us to, we need to act. Even if you know, there's only two weeks left. We need to act. So, two brief points. 
The disciples were listening but not hearing. And then they were hearing but not acting. My encouragement for us, don't just listen. Really hear what God is saying. And to be honest, really try to hear what the people around you are saying. And then act on what you know God is calling you to. Act on the truth. The Santa Rosa Sheriff's Department has a Facebook page that is just full. And after the event where they helped arrest the men with the bags of, full of drugs, they posted this on their Facebook page. Santa Rosa canine deputies recently assisted Florida Highway Patrol on a traffic stop on I-10 where a large amount of narcotics were discovered. Note to self, do not traffic your illegal narcotics in bags labeled bag full of drugs. <laughs> Our canines can read. <laughs> I leave you with this one thought. You will never fool God. He doesn't need a label to say where you really are, what you're really doing or not doing. He knows you inside and out intimately. And some of the people around you at times are going to know the truth also, even when you might deny it. Let's live into God's truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us to live for you. Lord, I pray this morning that there would be no one feeling judgment or guilt, anxiety, but instead a renewed purpose to really hear from your word, from your spirit, from those around us who know us well, to have the humility and the patience to really hear and then act. And Lord, empower us by your spirit to live into the truth that we might bring honor and glory to you, good to the people and world around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.